Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Friday the 7th of July in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, a job to do US Treasury yields have soared after stronger labour market data pushed rate bets for the Federal Reserve even higher. Rallying in Asia, UBS's global wealth chief goes hunting for new assets as the Swiss banking giant looks beyond the Credit Suisse takeover. Plus, the UK government planning to roll back an EU ban on free investment research for clients. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. US Treasury yields shooting to their highest level in 15 years after surprisingly strong US jobs data. Markets are now bracing for today's non-farm payrolls numbers after ADP data on Thursday showed US companies adding almost half a million jobs last month. That's the most in over a year. Dallas Federal Reserve President Laurie Logan says more interest rate increases will likely be needed to spur meaningful disinflation. I remain concerned about whether inflation will return to target in a sustainable and timely way. And I think more restrictive monetary policy will be needed to achieve the FOMC's goals of stable prices and maximum employment. That's Dallas Fed President Laurie Logan speaking at a Central Bank Research Association forum in New York. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg are expecting today's non-farm payrolls to show 230,000 jobs were created last month, which would be a significant slowdown on the May figure. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is meeting Chinese Premier Li Qiang today as part of her trip aimed at stabilising fraught ties between the world's two largest economies. So far, Yellen has already met Central Bank Governor Yi Gang and former Vice Premier Liu He. Former U.S. Treasury official and now TCW Group senior analyst David Lovinger says that this trip is about risk management and avoiding misunderstanding. The U.S.-China relationship is at its lowest point in over 50 years. There's all kinds of accidents waiting to happen, and communications are vital. And key economic officials in the U.S. and China just don't know each other. And you want to set up those lines of communications before the crisis happens. David Lovinger, former U.S. Treasury Senior Coordinator for China Affairs. He was speaking as Bloomberg has learned that U.S. officials started a fresh round of inspections of New York-listed Chinese companies. People familiar with the matter saying around a dozen firms' audits were being reviewed, including Tencent and Didi. UBS's Global Wealth Chief Iqbal Khan is looking to find net new money for the bank in Asia. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Khan is back in Asia, gunning for new assets after the firm's takeover of Credit Suisse. People familiar say Khan hosted receptions for hundreds of wealth staff in Hong Kong and Singapore. Sure, it was to celebrate the two firms coming together, but the underlying message was clear. Find net new money. Khan is betting that Asia will generate lucrative fees even as Credit Suisse 
suffers outflows in other regions. With the takeover, UBS will have more relationship managers in Asia than its rivals, DBS and HSBC, combined. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The UK is planning to roll back the European Union's MIFID II ban on free research for clients. Bloomberg understands that Jeremy Hunt will unveil the step on Monday as part of a review of rules. Bloomberg's Tom McKenzie reports. It looks like MIFID II may be scrapped in the UK. The Chancellor is expected to make an announcement in his Mansion House speech on Monday to accept the findings of a lawyer-led review. The key piece of EU legislation forced financial firms to separate the cost of investment research from trading expenses, but critics say it resulted in less investment research being made available. Rolling it back may be part of the Chancellor's efforts to boost the attractiveness of the UK's financial services. In London, I'm Tom McKenzie, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The leaders of Sweden and Turkey will meet ahead of a NATO summit in Vilnius on Monday. NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg is trying to make progress on Sweden's accession to the alliance after inconclusive talks yesterday. Speaking to Bloomberg, Sweden's Foreign Minister Tobias Billström said they would like to see a clear response from Turkey. We have retaliated over and over again, but we live in a world now following Russia's aggression on Ukraine that is very unstable, and that is shown not at least in the part of the world where we live, namely the northern part of Europe. Sweden joining uh, the NATO is going to bring a lot more security to the table. Sweden not being present in NATO is going to do exactly the opposite. That was Tobias Beltram, Sweden's foreign minister, speaking to Bloomberg ahead of the NATO summit in Lithuania on Monday. And finally, Samsung has reported its worst decline in quarterly revenue since at least 2009. Shares slid 2% in Seoul, with investors uncertain when a year-long electronics and memory chip demand slump will actually end. The Korean tech giant's 22% decline in sales was larger than expected, though the 96% drop in operating profit was less bad than forecasts. Those are our top stories. Well, uh, uh, something to think about on this Friday morning, especially as the weather is heating up again. Uh, summer travel, everyone's looking forward to their summer holidays. Cannot wait. Some bad news coming up in the papers in a moment about that. But I do recommend today um, the piece from Andrea Felstead, our Bloomberg Opinion columnist, about the phenomenon of peak holiday travel and that actually 2023 may see uh, the peak in that as well. And this is partly linked to what we've heard from airlines, for example, over the past few months about how seats are going to remain more expensive Mm. uh, post-COVID because of a whole range of reasons. But of course, higher interest rates going to feed into people's spending. People are still spending on holidays for now. We know that from all of the reports we've gotten recently uh, out of travel-related companies. But the question is, when we get to this time next year, will people be that much worse off that they won't be able to afford their summer holidays? Well, and also there was the, you know, the revenge travel theme too Mm. was definitely there after COVID that people wanted to go to wonderful far-flung places to enjoy themselves, which they'd missed out on. But yes, you're right, interest rates Um, And also the fact that those holidays and the weeks in the sun are much more expensive now than they were previously because of inflation, that actually that may not be sustainable. So the industry, airline industry, hotel industry has done quite well, but maybe that won't continue. Yeah, Yeah, Andrea's uh, piece is very good. Yeah, and she also digs into the idea of how people are also booking later, partly because of those those Mm. price challenges as well. So anyway, worth a read if you're thinking about your summer holidays this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, doggedly strong US employment boosted expectations for interest 
interest rates and saw Treasuries tank on Thursday. Benchmark Treasury yields have rocked back through 4%. Uh, and those on Bloomberg's index of global government bonds have hit a 15-year high. Joining us now, Bloomberg's executive editor for Asia Markets, Paul Dobson. And you're actually in the radio studio in London, Paul. Lovely to have you with us. Markets are now bracing for the non-farm payrolls today. What should we expect from today's figures? Because that was the big driver yesterday, ADP. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess people really don't know what to expect. I mean, the ADP figure was so uh, remarkably strong and such an outlier relative to those expectations. And that's why we saw a rather extreme uh, reaction in the markets. Um, the ADP has not always been the best predictor um, of what the non-farm payrolls report shows uh, the following day. Uh, that said, I guess uh, we're now all rushed to the other side of the ship and we're all expecting a very big number again today here. And so we'll be keeping an eye, not just on the headline figure, of course, but on the uh, average hourly wages numbers as well. So those uh, tend to tell us more about what the inflationary uh, outlook is. Yeah, certainly. I mean, looking at the reaction in bond markets, this this huge rout in Treasuries now looking at a two-year yield over 5% um, for Treasuries this morning. This is affecting markets all over the world. Absolutely. And and we saw the, the, the rises in bond yields or the sell-off in uh, bond prices uh, carry on through to Asia today, lifting uh, those interest rates in, in markets like Australia too. I um, think it's really interesting that we have that uh, global aggregate index uh, average yields back up to the highest level since uh, 2008. And returns uh, on government bonds for, or on, on global bonds for the year are now basically back to uh, zero when, you know, at the start of the year, everyone was counting on this as the place to put your money, take that yield and, uh, and presumably have a little bit of uh, capital uh, gains as well from increases in prices. So that part of the investment outlook has been rather scotched. Now we're starting to see that uh, push over into the equity side as mm. well. So that, I think that's really interesting, that sort of shifting correlation from uh, people seeing the economy and the, the better economic news as good for stocks last week. Now everyone's worried again that uh, the interest rate environment is just going to have to become a lot more restrictive. Yeah, that's the thing. So what has it done to pricing around the Fed's path? Is it shades of 2022 all over again? Yeah, it definitely. It definitely has that sort of uh, feel in the air. Although, I mean, you know, for all of that, we're pricing in one more Fed rate hike uh, pretty soon and then another one by the end of the year. So it's not extreme. It's not like the market is absolutely terrified now. Relative to the UK, of course, where those expectations and what's baked in are a lot, a lot higher again. And we're still looking for a much more aggressive uh, BOE taking interest rates here higher still. So you could argue that there's scope for um, Fed pricing to, to continue to seep into those uh, short-end yields in particular. I think the, the other thing to consider when you're looking across the yield curve is that uh, the past few times when we've got to around 4% on the 10-year Treasury, that's brought in longer-term investors, mm. pension funds, that kind of uh, uh, type of investor looking to lock in those long-term yields. They see that as an attractive uh, play. And so maybe, um, you know, even if we continue to feel that pressure at the short ends of the yield curve, uh, there might be a little bit more uh, support out there uh, for, 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 the, for the back end. What does all of this mean in terms of what the Federal Reserve does next? Uh, <laughs> well, we heard from some of the Fed policy makers uh, uh, this week uh, talking about the need for more hikes. We saw in the minutes uh, there was certainly um, a, a feeling among a good number of the of, 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 of the officials that further hikes are needed. I think the Fed um, 
has been pretty explicit in the need to get inflation under control and the willingness to slow growth or even uh, trigger, you know, some sort of a recession if that's what's needed in order to win this battle because it's so worried that those uh, inflation expectations become unanchored. So I don't think that they will be worried about what the market is doing so much as worried about what inflation is doing and still paying attention to try to get that under control. Yeah, Paul, I think it's a bit of a crucial moment, isn't it, in markets today? We thought we might be seeing the start of summer, but maybe that's yeah, not going to happen. Is my, this is my summer holiday, Caroline. Is Come it? Here, good, Welcome. The, <laughs> freezing cold weather and... Uh... And, and big moves in bond markets. Yes. Paul, well, thank you so much for popping into the studio. Lovely to see you actually in person say Paul Dobson, Bloomberg's Executive Editor for Asia Markets. Up next, more bad news on HS2 costs and London air pollution warning. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Gammons joins us this morning for more. The Financial Times has the headline, Decision to delay HS2's London terminus will cost at least £200 million. The hole not far from where I live in Euston is going <laughs> to remain then, the, the, the construction. Oh, Caroline. Yes, by the looks of it for now, but who knows what the future has to hold. But the additional £200 million figure has actually been revealed in a report from a cross-party group of MPs that will be published today. And I must say something, it's pretty scathing. They're warning the government's decision to delay constructing HS2 will cost this huge sum of money. And they actually argue that from the very, very beginning... The budget was completely unrealistic. And one of the biggest headaches has been the tunnel close to Caroline, has been the rebuilding of Houston Station, actually, to accommodate huge high speed trains that are going to be coming in and out. The project was designed to carry passengers from London to Birmingham and the north of England. It suffered these bad delays, large cost overturns and this particular, you know, design project in the station close to your house could exceed £70 billion. That's up from £37 billion in 2013. And earlier this year, the government did announce plans to halt work on Euston Station and the final stretch of the track to control these ballooning costs, which include that tunnel. And the report from the House of Commons Public Accounts Committee out today, as I said, very critical of the government. But Caroline and Mm. Stephen, this was a huge plan to link London to Northern England. Great in the concept of things, but it's been more difficult to achieve than first thought. Yeah, certainly. And, And that bill going even higher 
dire, it seems, for the project as well. Leanne, let's go to the Times next. The headline there, thousands of European flights may be delayed or cancelled as air traffic controllers threaten strikes. I feel so bad reporting this because we've all been so excited for our summer holidays. I must say, I was delayed on my summer holiday, but I got over it and got there in the end. But many more people could be. So up to a third of all European flights are now at risk of being delayed or cancelled this summer after air traffic controllers said they would strike. Now, this is according to the Times newspaper. Controllers at Eurocontrol, that's a European air traffic management body, have said they would walk out over the peak of summer after talks over staffing, rosters and pay has just broken down. So British holidays now face, holidaymakers now face this agonising wait because we're going to find out in the next couple of days when the walkouts will be. So it's pretty, you know, touching times if you've booked a flight. Also here in London, RMT Union, they've announced more strikes on the London Underground for Mm. July the 23rd to 28th. And Caroline, if you're a mother and you have children or a father, parents know that some teachers are going on strike in England today too. So lots happening. Yeah, absolutely. Two days of strike action uh, in the UK in terms of schools this week alone. Uh, The Guardian, uh, air pollution could kill London as a sporting capital. Sebastian Coe warns. Seb Coe, big voice uh, in terms of world athletics and sports in general. Yeah, huge voice. Remember, he was very, very instrumental in the Olympics that we held here mm. in London in 2012. But now the World Athletics president is warning that the climate crisis and poor air quality may just cause havoc to the sporting calendar. Yesterday, he was speaking to Gary Lineker in a panel at Wimbledon, and he basically says that even London could be a very difficult place to hold these sporting events because of air pollution and the effect that that could have on athletes in the future. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.